You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 279, this lovely March of PHP And I am your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me tonight is Tom Rideout. Hello. I'm your host, Tom Rideout. With me tonight is Eric Van Johnson. Hello. Former nominee for the 8.1 release manager, Eric Johnson. I don't think I was nominated. I think I, I just kind of begged for votes and got like three. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, that counts as a nomination, doesn't it? One, two, three. That's <laughs> my kid ran for mayor, and I'm pretty sure she got more votes than I got. <laughs> well, she was an excellent candidate too. I mean, not to you. She wasn't bad. She probably measured up more for her role than I did. I think. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's the imposter syndrome t- talking. We'll never know. But. We'll never know. We we will never know. So elephant not in the room tonight. Not that he's a large individual. <laughs> we all were. But, uh, he's just not anymore. Yes, he's half the man he used to be. Uh, John is not with us. He is okay. He's dealing with some uh, family matters, and we hope he will be back next week. But until then, you're stuck with the two of us. Yeah. I feel bad. Should for, be short. Feel bad for anybody stuck with the two of us, specifically <laughs> anyone named Rebecca. I know that's, that's true, right? We both happen to land land ourselves to Beck. Yeah, that's awesome. How you doing, Tom? Oh boy, feeling good. Uh, okay. Yeah, working on working on a fun thing this week. Uh, oh, exciting! Yeah, as long as it's not project management related, I'm. Hope it's like coding. It's not is it coding. It's it is coding. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a big refactor. We had uh, we implemented a service for connecting with bank accounts, downloading transaction data, stuff like that, and we're building a secondary service that does the same. You know, gives us the same features, but acts as a failover, or you know, gives the user a choice of what they want to use. And uh, initially, we you know the system was built for just the one service doing the one thing and being the only thing that did that. Uh, and now we're getting sort of the same data, but presented slightly differently. And so I'm creating interfaces for the original service and abstracting the whole thing away from being a uh, mono class into a sort of a compound system with failovers and stuff like that. It's, it's fun building, you know, building abstract interfaces and stuff like that, getting uh Getting to use some of the fun little OOP stuff that PHP has. Cool. cool. I want to take a moment and welcome everybody in Discord. Uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast and you're not on the live stream, you should join us live. We record every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Pacific time. And we have a, a very active Discord channel at discord.phpugly.com. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Discord, discord.vhfigly.com. Yeah, pop be? in there. Uh, so many right now. I, I, I almost slipped up on something else because I, I, I've got so many logos in my Discord now. I don't, I don't even know which <laughs> one to uh, recite anymore. But 
Uh, so yeah, uh, great group of people in there. Everybody's in there all week long chatting back and forth. And then during the show, um, everybody can have their feedback. They can contribute titles. If you do uh, explanation point title and then type in the title of the show, we may use it as the official title. We typically will because I'm way too lazy to come yeah. up with my own titles. It is it is purely yeah. a laziness thing. That's totally it. Trust me, in the past, I don't know if you remember, in the past, I had this brilliant idea that each episode of PHP Ugly would be uh, a folder in a GitHub repo where listeners could contribute show notes. That's that's how lazy I was. I was like trying to get the listeners to write our show notes for us, and that just didn't work. So I got smart and wrote a bot. <laughs> and now I have a bot that writes our show notes for us. I'm actually quite proud of that. Yeah, I was thinking for a while that uh, that our users would maintain a, a subreddit for us. So I'm still the moderator of uh, the PHP Ugly subreddit, but there, there that hasn't, is still a thing, isn't it? Yeah, it still exists. It just hasn't uh, been any activity in four years. <laughs> that's. I think that's about the last time we had a good show. So that that uh, that tracks. Yeah, episode ninety nine. That was the last time I updated the the subreddit. Episode ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back then, it's so funny when we first started doing the show. Obviously, we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. Um, our equipment was horrible. Uh, you know, it, it was even the way we spoke was done poorly. <laughs> and it used to take me like not not a no exaggeration, like an entire week to edit our podcast. Oh, yeah. Now it's it was, you've got the, it you've got the editing so down so that you, you do it while me and you were just hanging out after the show. Yeah. I mean, we usually wrap up. Uh, we usually wrap up the live show about an hour, hour, hour 15. Yeah. Um, and then we hang out with Discord for like another 15 minutes. And then, you know, you and I and, and John will usually hang out for another 10, 15 minutes. But that last like 30 minutes, I've already started creating thumbnails, editing the podcast. And yeah, it's so fast now. So, yeah. So, what do you I don't been, know why I thought to bring that up? What have you been doing this week? So, man, I'm working on some fun stuff. Um, I told you about my migration to PHP native enums from a spotty package. In yeah. A project for a client that ended up being um, not a lot more work. Um, the, the, the code base doesn't have any tests, so there's no way of like running tests and making sure everything is still working correctly. And there were, they used enums, the spotty package fairly extensively yes. in the application. So, uh, so obviously I missed a few, I missed a few things. <laughs> and, um, so I, I, you know, I was, I was deploying to production and, and right away bug snag starts, starts pinging me saying, Hey, I don't, this, this is not a valid enum. And I'm like, Oh crap. So it was like a, a good 24 hours. And I say 24 hours because it was like the end of one business day, the beginning of the bus- another business day of just triaging, you know, all the little kind of places I missed enums sure. or, or didn't implement them correctly. But it's been, knock on wood, it's been pretty quiet for the last um, three days. I, I rolled it out Monday. And like I said, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, I was kind of triaging things. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday now. Been pretty, pretty smooth sailing. I assume everything's okay. <laughs> Client hasn't complained. <laughs> 
You know, it's it's funny that you you say that because you know, like I'm working on this big refactor to an abstract service away from what I where I had a concrete service before. And man, I just love that I can like make a big batch of changes and run my test suite. And my test suite's like, yeah, everything's still working great. Like mm-hmm. our test suite is so fragile that if I if I were to make a mistake, I know it would be caught by it. It's just so nice. Yeah, yeah I, I'm looking forward to, to getting some tests done. I, I was actually, that was actually the ticket I got moved onto. This is the same client that wants to start to introduce tests. And I got moved onto that ticket while the enum stuff kind of settled. Um, the client didn't want me like getting too deep into any other code uh, just yet. And of course, the first thing I wanted to start doing is like, I wanted to start looking for those enum issues and writing tests for them. Uh, but then he pivoted me uh, he, uh, today, actually, to um, migrating their search engine. So they have a pretty heavy uh, search system, and um, they were looking for some other solutions. So I'm testing like three or four solutions out. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the Melee search. Uh, it's not, I haven't heard of that. I mean, so it it, it blimped on my radar. When, when I was doing the PHP roundtable um, website and I needed, I needed search. I'm like, man, I really don't want to use Agola again. Cause you know, it's like, if you're on their free tier, you got to throw their logo up. And I just didn't feel like dealing with it. And so I had found melee search and how's that no spelled? Cause I, f- I looked, I looked up melee search and I'm just getting super smash brothers videos. M E I L I S E A C H S E A R C H. Is that it? Did I spell it right? M-E-L-I search. I'll put it in our Trello board so that it pumps to our Discord. <clears throat> so it's an open source uh, search. It's super simplistic to implement. And um, no sooner do I implement it for uh, PHP Roundtable, I, see, I start seeing it pop up in all these uh, Laravel feeds. And now I guess it's like with Scout, it's just one of the search. Like I, I think it's like the search you can implement in Scout, and it's really? so easy to implement. Yeah, it's so easy to implement. I mean, they have Docker containers, they have little digital ocean scripts where you just hit a, basically hit one of these like deploy buttons, and it just spins up a digital ocean server for you. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, wow, it is. It's so, it's Algolia. The Laravel Scout supports Algolia and Melee Search out of the box, and that's it as far as services. Yeah. yeah. So the, one of the drawbacks to it, first thing, it's super simplistic. Uh, there is a admin interface that lets you see what you're indexing and it lets you run some you know basic queries and stuff that way. But like, it doesn't have some of the more advanced features that Algolia has, right? Um. So so I was I was playing around with that, and then uh, something else. This the, the client is a heavy user of AWS, and AWS has a couple of uh, a search solutions. Elast- they have their own Elasticsearch, which I guess they, they renamed it to Open Search or Open Cloud Search or something. I think is what it's called. Um, and man, I just every time I try to do anything in Amazon or in AWS. It's just so overwhelming with all the security and how you have to <laughs> configure shit. Yeah. And nothing ever works like like it's it's Elasticsearch under the under the curtains or you know it's 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 like Elasticsearch base the base of it is Elasticsearch, but they they mess with it just enough where like 
basic elastic search stuff don't doesn't seem to want to work with it but that doesn't matter because i can't get past all the security in configuring stuff correctly oh well i got and, and the worst thing is they're one of the ones that does it the best i know that's that's yeah. i have issues where i'm trying to implement an api and i have to ask somebody who doesn't know what an api is what the api keys are and like walk them through <laughs> an interface that only they can have access to and it's 2fa so i can't get the password from them and then just log in and oh <sighs> Yeah. Yep. So I'm having a lot of fun with this client right now. They they're giving me a, they're they're like loosening my my kind of leash a little bit, and I'm kind of like the the black ops person, um, where I, you know, I kind of do all this like SEAL Team Seven. Just yeah, I just like come in. I was like, all right, yeah, I really want this, and it's like, all right, man, I I can do that for you. I do a lot of PSE stuff for them, so it's fun. Yeah, nice. And that's about it. That's pretty. That's pretty much been my week. I had a. I did a couple interviews this week, and uh, that's always interesting. I'm not an interviewer person. I just sort of. I think I get just as nervous as the person being interviewed. I sort of lock up. <laughs> that's a good sign. It's good. I, I, I got to be honest with you. It's a good sign. <laughs> well, I, I, I like to hear that. But I have a question for you. Like, let's say somebody is perfectly technically capable, but just doesn't feel like the right fit for the team. Mm-hmm. Do you just do you immediately pass on it right then, or what do you do? Uh, who says the the person doesn't think they're the right fit, or you if think I don't think right I don't fit? think it's a, a fit. <sighs> I mean, there's a lot of factors involved there, right? It's it's how much do they have to actually interact with the team? Uh, how much? Um, yeah, I mean that's the biggest factor. Yeah, uh, you guys are remote, right? You guys are 100 percent remote. Yeah, remote? yeah. Yeah, so you don't even have to worry about that. Oh, he doesn't have to interact with the team, but they don't bathe a lot, and it makes everybody upset sort of thing. <laughs> you know? Okay, I feel personally, I, I personally like, called out by that, but whatever. <laughs> I, I like to take the approach of uh, like a, a sport scout who's looking for a member for their team. And I, we've talked about this in the past. I like to do my homework. I like to kind of scout them and, sure. and kind of get an idea of who they are. But at the end of the day, you've got to trust your gut, right? If you don't think they're a good fit, there's probably a reason for that. Um, it depends on if they're a direct report, too. It depends on how much they're going to cost. If they're cheap and you don't, they don't have to answer to you, I don't know. Maybe you just let them slip in. <laughs> <laughs> it allows you to move on. So I, that, that general, I don't know. Because that, that comes to another issue is that our team sizes are getting big. Like my Zoom meetings mm-hmm. in the morning now, my stand-ups, starting to really fill the screen out pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure how how much longer that's going to be the case. We're going to split into more teams or what we're going to do. But, man, we have a lot of developers. Yeah. You're going to hit that threshold at some point where, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, hiring is such... <sighs> It's such a challenge. I mean, it's it's a big deal for me because it's my money. So I take a personal interest in it. But even when it's not your money, it's even a bigger deal, right? Because then it's because if I hire somebody bad, you know, I'm the one paying them and I'm the idiot that hired them. Well, and so, this is this is a startup with, you know, startup culture. There's a there's a lot of uh work hard, work fast, get shit done attitude mm-hmm. and you know that's i sort of that's the thing i'm looking for the most in these interviews beyond the technical skills is is the like are you know do you want to buckle down and kick ass mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if i would be good in that position but but where i was going with my statement earlier is that 
I, I, I almost think it's more challenging for you because you hire a dud. All of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry you wasted $40,000 on that developer who just turned out to be a complete pain in the ass and disrupted our whole workflow. My bad. Uh, I'll try better next time. Yeah. You know? I, <laughs> like, I think it's a lot more than $40,000. I assume they don't work the whole month. Well, no, but so, but we're dealing with recruiters, and as you know, if you go through a recruiter, that's like a ten percent uh, oh, yeah. upfront uh, cost for the the annual. Well, how pay. do you feel about recruiters? I, I'm personally not a fan of recruiters. I, I never I never entertain their emails. I, it, my my it's a it's a nonstop email flow from recruiters. You're well, very involved. What are your needs? You're very involved in the community in mm-hmm. San Diego. So you have a lot of people that you you meet up with on a regular basis that are like available to be hired, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the Diego Dev crew is SDPHP members that folded into Diego Dev, you know. It's like you haven't had to deal with the recruiters cuz you've got people. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely see like needing a recruiter when you're looking for a certain position that you just that's not a it's not a person you know. Uh, you know, hiring an, an S debt, a, a software but, developer in test is like I don't know where I'd start with that. But that's I mean that's the whole thing. It's it's not only the the user group is a great source for that. If you have a PHP user group in your area, strongly recommend getting involved because that whole networking thing, even if you think it's an icky thing, exactly what Tom is talking about is real. Oh yeah, like peep that whole. You know, whole. I know somebody who's hiring, or somebody starts to hire, and they're like, "Hey, I remember, you know, you got your job through a user group, right? One of your job, not not the one you're at now, but one of your previous jobs, you got through a user group, and it was that whole. Hey, I remember we met this person at the user group who looked like they might be a good fit for it, and they reached out and t- talked to you. Yeah, the PHP community. But where I was going with that is, you don't. It doesn't have to be a user group. You just have to find a way to get involved with the community. I mean, we have that here with our Discord, and I love our Discord. I'm in our Discord probably too much. I probably contribute more in our Discord than I do our company Slack because <laughs> our, our company Slack, I like to kind of I like to stay back and wait for somebody to, to call me in because there's an issue, but find a niche, find a community to, to be a part of. It doesn't have to be in person. But find a community to be a part of. You'd be, you'd just be surprised between Discord, the friends I've made at conferences, the friends I made at user groups, and my Twitter feed. I'm surprised you don't come to me and say, "Eric, we're looking for this person." I I, I know some people. <laughs> it's true, and our community has some pretty. Uh, our, our Discord has some pretty big names in it. I think so. I like our Discord. Yes, Kaylin, Kaylin, one of our Diego Dev people. Not our first. Kalen, were you our second hire? I think Kalen was our second hire at Diego Dev. No. Is that right? I think that's right. I think Kalen was our second hire at Diego Dev. Um, and he was a user group member. So I think we're only down to actually two user group members working for us. I don't think anybody else was a SDPHP user group member. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, John and I. I might be missing somebody. Kalen, tell me if I'm missing anybody. But Kalen left San Diego. He bailed. And, uh, well, I mean, know, but, you have to. It's yeah. it's too expensive. Oh, dude. What's gas out there right now? Uh, 430-ish. We're, we're over six bucks for the cheap stuff. Oh. It's, it's horrifying. 
I got that hybrid just in time, man. I tell you. What happened get, with the I hybrid? Go, go, go. Did you? Did we you have it? We, we keeping it. We held on to it. Yeah, we we kept bouncing back and forth. So we went the CarMax route. Anybody who's been listening for the show knows that I'm a big fan of CarMax. And I had 30 days or 1,500 miles to return the hybrid. And I kept looking online because I, I wasn't, I wasn't 100% happy with the mileage I was getting. I was still getting about 30 uh, miles per gallon, depending on how I use the hybrid. That, that's the important good. part. Yeah, it was. But it, it, would, it would drop down to like 20. Um, so if my battery was completely drained, which I can actually run off the battery for like 14 miles where I'm just completely, you know, on the battery. Right. And then it kicks into this hybrid mode. If my battery's completely drained, that, and, I, and I'm pushing the, the car really hard, um, that 30 would easily drop down to 25 and sometimes drop down lower than that. So the wife kind of started to get like that feel of, hey, I like this whole being on electric thing. And, you know, it was like a game with us to see how far we could drive. Because depending on, there's so many factors involved. Depending on how long you let the car, when the car coasts, it actually charges the battery and all these other things. Um, so we'd see how far we could go on total battery before the gas kicked in. And we both started to get this feel of, oh, the, ga- the, the, the combustion engine kicked in. Damn. So I, I was really on the fence of taking it back and going fully electric because we have gas cars. I mean, it wouldn't have been our only car. Sure. So I was like thinking maybe this is the opportunity. And actually when we went and saw Harry Mack, that was when we kind of had to decide because I just turned over, I think I turned over 1300 miles. So I told, uh, I told Beck, I'm like, Hey, we have to decide this weekend. What are we doing here? And so I had been looking at other hybrids and it's like, they all, they all get about the same mileage or, or worse than what we're getting. So it didn't make sense to turning in for another hybrid and turning it in for a full electric. The only thing that was like kind of in my price range was uh, the Teslas. Right. And, you know, I don't know, man, I'm just not there yet. And I, I, (laughs) you know, I get mixed feedback from people. Oh, you're not going to fit in this model Tesla. You've got to go with that model Tesla. And of course that model Tesla is, you know, always $20,000 more than the other model Tesla. And I really want that truck. I really want the Ford F-150. But So we yeah. decided just to keep what we had, keep the hybrid we had, and then maybe the, most likely the next car we get will be a full electric. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think it's going to be a full electric. Although, yeah, that, that's going to be the next car the wife and I get. The kids need to get new cars, but they're turning 24. Yeah, they can go get their Yeah, own that's car. their problem. <laughs> exactly. So, so yes, to answer your question, we still have the hybrid and probably will, or will well, we're stuck with it now. <laughs> Whether okay. we like it or not, we're stuck with it. But we like it. It's it's an older car. It's uh, 2016, so it's older. So it doesn't have, like, a lot of new fancy, you know, tech stuff in it. But it's it's still a nice car. We're, we're happy with it. I, uh, I might be looking for a new car, <laughs> even though I just bought one. The uh, minivan had an incident. The children's, one of the children's uh, first car accidents. Oh, no. Are they okay? Yeah, they're fine. Just still dumb. Their father is. I don't know. Okay. It's it's not. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't comment on yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's God, you know, having having a car get taken out of service is such a stress. Mm-hmm. It's just, ugh. 
It's just not. Oh, we had that. Not worth it. So we have five adults that live in the house right now. And when we moved to the new house, we were down to four cars. Right. Three of the people. No, that's actually not true. Four of the people, with the exception of myself, four of the people still make regular trips down to San Diego for work. So every day, somebody in this house is driving to San Diego. That is so unnecessary. The cars that the cars that we had, the four cars that we had, were all very heavy on gas. But this was before the gas issue and the miles. I think the the least miles any car had on it was one hundred thirty thousand miles. So this is one of the reasons why I looked for the hybrid. I go and I get this hybrid. Now we're up to five cars. Everybody has a car now. Everybody can get to San Diego. A couple of the cars are pretty pretty good with gas. Um, one's like a Volkswagen Jetta, another is cheap. My my wife's car, which was a Pacifica, was was being used by one of them. And then my wife and I would share between the new hybrid and my old truck. And basically, we'd use the hybrid every time we went anywhere with distance. And no sooner do I buy that new car, my wife's old car, which uh, one of the people in the house were using to drive back and forth to San Diego completely dies. The whole engine is dead. I took it. Uh, I had it towed to the mechanic and the mechanic calls me up because listen, man, I really don't want to work on this car. I will. <laughs> if you want me to, <laughs> he's like, but it's going to be really expensive. And you know, it's just, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so now we're down and to as, four a, as, cars a, again. as a coder. We can absolutely understand. 100% understand that. I understand you're paying me. And if this is, (laughs) if this is really the job you want me to do, but man, I don't want to do it. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, completely. It it, it was that exact thing. And so I'm like, no, that's all right. We need to, I actually still have it here at the house. I need to like donate it to one of those charities or something like that. So we're down to four cars again. Somebody needs to buy, somebody needs to buy a car. It's not going to be me. I bought, I bought all my cars. Yeah, and I'm going through the like, hey, you know, employment's available. I'm not sure why you're not working. And, <laughs> you know, it's nice to have money. I'm sure you you know that. Just just do it. Make money, please. And we're going to be looking at buying a house in a year, which is like just the idea of that is starting to stress me out on its own. It's, it's not a fun market you, you, right you now. Guys are, you guys are going to stay there in Colorado? I mean, yeah, unless we can sneak away in the middle of the night without the kids. Just trick them somehow. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I we love it here. I, th- I don't. I don't see any reason to leave yet. Cool. Although everyone who mm-hmm. everyone who's a native here complains about how expensive everything is now, and they blame uh, yeah. they blame Californians for making everything expensive. And I'm like, that, that's probably fair. Like, yeah, sh- yeah, sure. But it's also employing everybody, and you know, I, it's I, I love when my my friends who are in construction complain about all these people moving into the town. And I'm like, you build houses. Who do you think it's for? This, this city's not having that many kids that you'd need a whole new suburb every couple months. I got a question for you, Tom. Fire away. Oh, wait. No. Actually, this isn't relative, relevant relevant, relative, relevant to you anymore. What? Um, you, don't do, uh, you don't do PHP Storm anymore at all, right? No, not at all. <sighs> okay. Never mind then. Not... Not relevant to you. I just realized something else. God bless America. We uh, so so PHP Storm has uh, their uh, early access program kicked up, kicking off right now for 
2021.1. I don't know which version I'm on, and I don't care enough about um, I don't care enough about PHP Storm anymore to do the early access stuff. I was curious if if you were doing it or not. No, I really haven't touched it in a while. This, wouldn't they be You're still on 2022? rocking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tw- That's what I say. 2022.1. Yeah, they're on 2022.1 EAP six. Yeah. So I was curious if there's anything good in there. I just don't. I don't do it a whole lot. Although I've been, I've been trying to, I, I've been using the PHP Storm more. I go back and forth on it now. I, I try to, especially when I spend a long time with Vim, um, I like to bounce back over to PHP Storm if nothing else to get my Vim bindings in sync. Because <laughs> <laughs> I start doing something one way in Vim, I'm like, God, this really feels good. I, then I, I'll go back over to PHP Storm. It's like, oh crap. I still have that old mapping in PHP Storm. I need to update that. Well, we discussed Spady last week. Spotty. Mm-hmm. The Media Library Pro Vulnerability, which is now patched. But uh, Freak, Frick Vanderhurten wrote an apology email to everyone saying, uh, yes, we let this thing sit for four months because we didn't quite understand what the problem was. And we didn't even know that the CVE had been published until we saw it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And they so they created a security at spatty.be email that pings everyone on the dev team. And they're monitoring everything much more closely. And it's very, uh, it's very interesting because I realized, you know, I, we don't have a similar like security response thing that I can think of or that I know of in my system. And like, mm-hmm. what do you guys have for security response stuff? Do you have anything like this? Uh, not really. No. I mean, again, we're a small studio. And of course, when something does go sideways, the, the, you know, our clients expect us to, to be able to reply pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, ultimately it's a, it's a cost issue. You know, we can't, we can't give them more resources than they're willing to pay for. Sure. So it's it's kind of one of those things. It's like, oh yeah, you would like a full time security person. All right, that that'll be another hundred twenty, hundred thirty thousand dollars a year. Um, are you okay with that? You don't want to pay that? Well, okay. <laughs> we have we have this a lot. What well, one of the things we've been trying to do is we've been trying to partner with. I say partner with. We've been trying to pay for. A, a one some of these like um, monitoring services, these scanning services, security audit services. Right, dude, they're not cheap. They're not cheap. And again, we're a small company, so where we're willing to take you know some of the hit, we definitely need to spread that that kind of pain out across clients. And so those clients who are always looking for that extra level of security, you know, when we go to pitch these ideas of, okay, would you be willing to give us this much extra a year and we will sign on with the service? It's the same conversation. Nobody's interested until something bad happens. Yeah, it's a bit of the the backup paradigm. You don't realize mm-hmm. how important your backups are, how long you've been missing them until you need them. Mm-hmm. Which, which, hey, that's a, that's a good lead-in. Lead in. Last... Uh, Wait, what month are we in? We're in March, right? This March, this month is actually has National Backup Day, World World Backup Day, um, and it's in this issue, a PHP Architect magazine. So somebody had wrote it. It's it's funny how this works. I I, don't, I really don't know how 
Oscar did this all by himself. It's just absolutely <laughs> amazing to me that he did this by himself. But we have we have like a little powwow between um, you know me, John, and a few other people on when articles get submitted. I think I feel like we use our columnists a lot more too. Uh, I don't know if they like it. I don't like it. I hope they like it. Like like our columnists, our regular contributors will get a version of the magazine like two or three days before we release it. And their whole thing is they make sure their column looks correct. And then they'll look through the magazine and see if they see other errors. And this helped us out tremendously. Um, I can't tell you how many things have been caught And 90. I don't, I don't want to put a number on it, but Oscar catches most of them. I'm like, dude, uh, <laughs> we'll pay you to do this. If you're interested. <laughs> no, he doesn't, I, doesn't want that obligation. Oh my God. He is brutal, man. I, I always hate like, you start seeing him typing in Discord. It's like, oh, here comes Oscar. Here he comes. Um, he'll he'll just like start hitting you with a list of things. But uh, so yeah, this somebody had suggested writing an writing an article about uh, World Backup Day. I'm like, what are you gonna write? Like, you're just gonna write back up your stuff? You know? It's like I didn't I didn't it's just a big really headline. Kind of appreciate they did a really good job. It was Scott uh, Scott Keck Warren. We, we actually still have to do the PSP Architect podcast. He did uh, backups for beginners. I'll put it up to my camera. Um, he actually did a really great job. So and it, it tied into the whole world backup day. So if you're a subscriber to PSP Architect, go look at this month's edition. And if you're not, you should be. Yeah, That's all I have to say about that. You know who else is a sponsor of this show? When you're in production, a thousand things can go wrong. You could deploy a bug in your latest release. Your background jobs can silently fail. Someone could trip over the network cable at your data center. And this all comes back to you. You need to know when bad things happen and be able to respond to them quickly. That's why we built HoneyBadger. It's easy to install HoneyBadger in your backend applications and front-end JavaScript. It only takes a few minutes of configuration and you'll have monitoring done. That's because we hook into popular web frameworks, job systems, and the browser so that when any of them crash, we can automatically let you know. We ping your application from our global fleet of servers to let you know about problems with connectivity, latency, and SSL certificates. And we monitor your recurring jobs to see if any of them stop recurring. When there's a problem, we alert your team using the tools you already use. We can create issues in GitHub, Jira, and other issue trackers, and send notifications via Slack, PagerDuty, or other channels. When you click through, you'll be taken to detailed information on the error. You'll see things like request parameters, headers, user information, and the backtrace. Click on any line of the backtrace to view it in GitHub, Bitbucket, or your local editor. When you fix a problem, just mark it resolved and follow up with the affected user. That's HoneyBadger, where the monitoring tool for web developers would rather be, well, developing. Thanks, HoneyBadger. Thank you, HoneyBadger. I like those guys. My badger's been so good to us. They are. They're they're, they're great. Yeah. So so yeah, man. I mentioned this. What's going on? I mentioned this last week that that we'd be discussing this this week. Oh, did I forget to do some homework? Yeah. Shit. That's okay. You'll 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 know right away what I'm talking about when I say magic. I I, I think you you expect too much out of me. <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> well, we're not talking magic methods, are we? We well a bit of magic methods. So. Uh, Matthias Novak wrote a blog post about too much magic in 
some programming nowadays. And I had an interview this week that also said that one of their complaints about Laravel was too much magic. There's just sometimes you don't know what's happening or why. And it can be so it can, can be can difficult ask, to follow it. Couple of questions sure. with that. Because I, I hear that complaint a lot. And I think it's valid. But a lot of times I think that people who say it just say it because they know it's a it's a gripe. When you mean when me? does a magic method Huh? Do you mean me? <laughs> no. When does a magic method concern you? Because in my head, and I understand the concerns around magic and you know, magic and things like frameworks, but in my head, it's just like any other method or anything else you're doing. You you, you give it an input, you expect an output. So what happens, you know, behind the scenes? How is that really any different than you know when I say you know, array merge and PHP, what's happening behind the scenes there? I, I, when, when does a magic method concern you and why? So the place in Laravel where it happens the most is in mutators and accessors on eloquent models. So you just name, you name a uh, method the right thing in the right way, and it becomes a property of that model. Uh, so if you have a, a get full name attribute method and you call full underscore name, it will call that method when it doesn't find those attributes already existing in the system. Um, and that's one of the places where I think it gets the most overused. Now, Laravel 9 actually changed this. Um, this is one of the, the new features of Laravel 9, which is that you can... Uh, assign something as being an accessor or a mutator by giving it the mm. type of attribute. So the return type is an attribute and that gives you an accessor and a mutator class that you can, re you can re reply with. Um, and that's to me the right way to handle it. But then like you can get into some stuff where if you jump into Laravel, you'll just be lost immediately. Like how is a model accessing the table name? But th th that, th so that's my point. It's like, I don't want to jump into Laravel. I don't, that's why I'm using a framework. I want that, that ease. I want that magic. Go on. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that's what, what you're saying is true, right? It's, it's like a lot of people say, well, how's it doing? How's Eloquent actually working? I don't care. It works. It, as long as it works as expected or works as advertised, that's what I'm concerned about. Well, that's, I don't care that's where the trouble works. is, is when it doesn't work correctly or when it doesn't work as expected. Um, you know, I have, a, I have a PR that's sort of been sitting for a month because it uses so much magic. It uses so much of this uh, fancy uh, reflection class and uh, debug backtrace reading that no one's comfortable saying, like, I trust this is going to work when it goes in production, even with a full test suite. And I don't blame them. But now I have to sort of go back over the whole thing and, and rewrite it as if it weren't magic. I have to rewrite it using methodologies that are very concrete and solve the specific problem. But the specific problem is defined so generally. Mm -hmm. so it's a very tricky problem. Um, and yeah, PHP magic is awesome, like our Discord is saying here. But it should never be used because the programmer is lazy. It should only be used when you need it. That's that's a great, that's a good quote. Thank you, Stu. And I, I think that's true. Like, there's a lot of magic in Laravel that's for the lazy. 
And I mean, I think I think that's kind of one of the driving principles behind frameworks in general. It could be work. could be wrong there. But. Well, I don't know. Symphony is not really for the lazy. That's true. But it uses but it uses doctrine, which uses magic uh, attribute tags. So, like, it's not great yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's so this this so this this article you were talking about. I I, I kind of took you off off your track there. Yeah. So this article sort of asked the question of like, if you can do it with magic, why not do it with concrete implementations? Why not go around the magic and write it the way? that it's readable on a single execution. Um, and I guess the sort of the end conclusion of the article is, is try not to use magic when it's too much magic. Try to like assess how much abstraction you're really getting away from when you're doing this thing. Uh, you know, some of the, some of the code style sniffers just can't handle Laravel and uh, you know, Lara Stan is a, is a static analysis that exists just for Laravel because of Laravel's magic is too confusing for um, the normal PHP PHP static analysis. And I I agree. I think that it can be, I mean, you've, you've argued that, that IDEs other than Vim are a crutch for weak programmers. I have. And and that's exactly how I use them. I, I, I've been, I've been yelled at for that, but yeah, I, I, I have said that in the past. Yeah. And I think some of this magic stuff can be very similar. It's it's just sometimes it feels like a crutch, you know. Now when I write objects for uh, in my Laravel application, I never write them as uh, the the Laravel style static implementations. I always write them as classes that don't have uh, service layer and uh, facade layer attached to them because that's to me that's a magic that's not necessary. You know, it cleans up a lot of the the Laravel internal code and like the Laravel standard stuff. But everyone who knows Laravel knows that stuff at this point. If I start writing something new like that, they're not going to know. They're not going to understand why it's written like that. I'm I'm not sure I totally follow what you're saying. Like when I'm in Laravel, this, this so set aside my history. I I have. I have a history of embracing like the repository pattern where I like to have the repos and the interfaces and all that. So let's just kind of table that for a second. Cause that's just me and my weirdness. If I'm writing something in Laravel, I'm either writing 90% of the time. It's either a controller or a, or a model. I'm doing something in a controller or a model. What, what did you mean by you don't adhere to like the, what'd say the service in the service layer and whatever, whatever else you said? Yeah. So Laravel has a service layer where you can assign a facade to one of potentially many different objects at runtime or post runtime. You can say, when I say mail, I mean Swift mailer and not uh, the mail faker. And hmm. I don't use that as much as I could because mm-hmm. it abstracts some of the ideas away of what it, what it is we're trying to achieve. Now, I don't work in controllers and models that often. Almost everything I do is really? yeah, almost everything I do is a service. Uh, my controllers, my biggest controller is probably like 30 lines because Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of small controllers. And and there is even there was even like this um this pattern in I, I saw it in the Laravel community. There might be other communities, but like even you, you have your whole RESTful 
what one of them is the is the restful, right? You have a you have a controller and you have your restful methods in there. And let's just say it's like um I don't know, uh, like a user controller, and it'll have you know your index, your update, your delete, all those. But where I might slip in other kind of user specific things in the user controller, like I don't know, um, like a, a hobbies method. I'm like, oh yeah, I want them to have a hobbies method. So I'm gonna I'm gonna create this uh, method within the user controller for hobbies. There was this kind of concept of no, no, no. Then there's a user hobby you know, controller with, uh, you know, the, the create, the update. And, and I think you can even go where each, each rest method was its own controller. Yeah. And yeah. I just like, uh, I, I like, I like it because I like the small controllers for sure. I I've worked, I've worked in code bases where uh, we were talking about last week where one controller was like 5,000 lines wrong or wrong 5,000 uh-huh. lines Long. Both are correct. And, yeah. No, I and I, I know like, the controllers that you're you're talking about. I've worked in that code base too, and and yeah, those are some thick with two C's controllers, mm-hmm. and lots and lots of logic being done uh, and duplication of logic across controllers, mm-hmm. which is that's the really bad part that you get from having big controllers. Mm-hmm. So you so you don't. So yeah, the the small controllers I'm definitely a fan of. But you say you you do most of your stuff in services. Services is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. It's most of what we do is integrating a new service that just produces a line of JSON that's returned by a resource object. Interesting. So the controller really never sees any changes. Now one of the one of the big issues I mean, we that, have is that, where that seems like now is that pro solid or is that against solid? I, I don't know anymore. It's pro. <laughs> it's know, pro solid. Yeah, because none solid, of the things you're are supposed to be able to. Yeah, nothing changes. Right. right. The, the, the underlying code doesn't change. You just add to it. Right. And none of none of the things are aware of the other things that are calling them. Everything really stands alone and can be called without even being part of Laravel. If I needed to, um, mm. which which was an interesting debate that I had. I had a I had a parent object that was looping child objects to see if they were allowed to be run by a user and the user was being passed in to the child object. And I was saying, no, 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 the user, the, the child objects should never know about the user. Permissions should be defined completely outside of it. And it was a big debate because it ended up with, well, it has to be this way because we have to check at this granular level. So how do we do that without passing the user object in if permissions are being managed by Laravel, mm-hmm. you know, if we're using guards and stuff. And it's, uh, I mean, with with solid design, you can have hours of debate over little nitpicky implementations. But when building a greenfield application, I feel like it's paid off to have those debates because then mm-hmm. at least at the end, everyone's on the same page of what we're going to do moving forward. They might not be on the same page with why we're doing it that way, but in the future, you know they're just gonna they're gonna follow the rule that was established by that conversation. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I have to look into that. I found a couple articles. I posted them in our our Trello board, so I'll uh, I'll have to swing back around on those. You know what else we should look into? Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question real quick. Huh? What else? What else should we look into? You feel like you're leading into something? Our patrons on Patreon. Yeah, that's fine. Put them up. Thank you. Look at that Patreons. sparkle. That is so pretty. I can't. Is, it, is this the last thing? Next month or is? Oh wow! Right oh, on the can, right on the cusp. Right there. 
we can't even do an April Fool's show where we just like talk about Ruby or something. That would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, it would be a, it would be an even more boring conversation than normal. I know nothing about Ruby. <laughs> I don't know that whole lot about PHP. It seemed to do okay. Um, so let me ask you a question, Tom. You can keep the Patreon people up because we appreciate them so much. Um, are you a GIF or a GIF person? I'm a GIF person. You're a GIF. Mm-hmm. I think I'm. Like, I don't think I'm putting it anymore. I, I, would, I would have to. I would have to catch myself saying it. I think. I, do you I think say? Like, do you say graphic interchange format? What giraffic interchange format? No, I do not. So then you're a GIF person. Anyways, the creator of GIF or GIF, however you want to, so he it. he does call GIF. it. He calls it GIF because he's holding a, he's holding a can of GIF peanut butter. Uh, that is a so Photoshop. Oh, is that Photoshop? That is, yeah, the <laughs> GIF peanut butter is spelled with a J. Is it? it is. I didn't even look at it. All right. Anyways, uh, Stefan Will Will it? How do you pronounce that last name? Uh, will it? It's a it's a. G- it's a G. You took my card it's away. GIF. Um, no, I didn't. Will, I moved my card. Will Height. Will Height. Stephen Will Height, the creator of GIF or GIF, has passed away at age 74. That's so weird. Like the people who made the internet are now dying. It's like, what? what is going on? Yeah. Well, we've got people like one person maintaining global DNS and like it's. NTP. <laughs> NTP. Yeah. It's. It's it's wild. Mm. Yeah. So that's all I had. Yes. He's so he's he's a huge proponent of the GIF pronunciation. I think I said GIF. I think that's what I say. Because that's correct. GIF, yeah, because it's it's like a GIF. It's graphic interchange GIF. format. G- graphic. Yeah. GIF J I F the peanut butter is pronounced GIF. G I F is GIF. Is hmm. there is there a word yeah. where the G makes a, a J sound? Yeah, I don't know. Well, that was that was his big big controversial statement was that everyone is wrong except him. It's Jif. <laughs> Makes sense. I'm good with that. Jerry, Gary, George. <laughs> See, maybe Discord isn't such a great thing. Jester, Jim, Jim's right. Like Gim. All right, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Oh, G I word that makes a J sound. Come on, Discord, you can do it. Other than Git. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you just sabotage yourself. I know. Uh, Gin, fine. Well, if you if you know anything about American English and how it's defined, it's defined as how the majority of people use it. Therefore, it's GIF. I, I'm fine with that. We were talking about how smart our Discord people are. If we have some real smarties there, a little, um, little too smart, if you ask me. One of the, huh? <laughs> a little too smart. Now they're just teasing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them is our friend here, Joe Ferguson, and I'm very excited. I, I read his article article for next month, talking a lot about testing. He's uh, he's got a little testing article coming, and uh, you're going to want to read that. That there's 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 three articles in this coming month that if I weren't a subscriber to PHP Architect, this would be one of those magazines where I'm like, oh, I need to get a subscription. Yeah, Joe's Joe's article on I know there's four. Damn, I'm I'm too big of a fan of PHP Architect and the writers of PHP Architect. I got you got Joe's article on testing. Uh, Edward Bernard's been doing this uh, article. We talked about Solid earlier. He's he's been doing this uh, domain driven design um, series DDD Alley. 
It's been really good. Uh, uh, Tankersley is doing a um, license article, which I really thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, and then um, we have a contributor of a feature article about testing the PHP uh, core. So how testing's done with PHP core. And he, they walk you through like cloning the repo. So you have like all the C code and how to run the test. And, you know, I've been waiting to kind of get into PHP core for so long. I, like I said, this April is going to be one of those months where I would like renew my subscription if I hadn't renewed it yet. I, I really, I gotta be, I gotta stop being such a fan of the <laughs> contributors of PHP arc because I don't feel like I'm critical enough of, of their topics. Cause I'm like, I read them I'm like, oh, this is fantastic, man. I'm, you know, I'll pay to read this. I need to stop being such a fan. So you were talking about trying out pest for testing, weren't you? Yeah. That client, the client, we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, they're they're just kind of going back and forth between pest and PHP unit. So they're kind of leaning more towards PHP unit just to kind of get that foundation of uh, writing PHP unit tests. Um, but they're open to using pests. So I'm kind of, I'm not looking at, at pests yet. I'm still kind of doing the PHP unit stuff, uh, but I need to, I probably need to look at pest at some point. So I saw an article, I, I'm trying to find this, but I, I saw an article that was talking about a new feature of Pest. Oh, it would have to be in Laravel News if it's anywhere. I'm looking, man. <laughs> Do you know what the, you remember what the feature was? I can't remember what it's called, but it allows you to test with a, a special uh, Do Expect Throw. Oh, I saw this. Uh, where did I see that at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called though, and I'm just pulling up blanks on Laravel News. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I saw it in um, on Twitter. I think it was a plugin. I think it was, I think Pest has there this concept of plugins. Given when then is a plugin for Pest. There you go. So given you name a scenario then. given that a user given create user when the user is activated, then assert that the database has the activation record for that user. <clears throat> I like this format. It's it's a little bit cleaner than the the way PHP unit is handled with Laravel right now. I'm just wondering does, does pest work within PHP unit? Yeah, it's it's kind of a layer on top of PHP unit. I'm wondering if I could start writing stuff in pest and keep the old stuff in PHP unit working the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you, you can mix, mix and match them easily. It's not an issue. I might have to try this out then because I like I like how it, how simple it is. It's these little short functions that define things quickly and then give an expectation back right away. Mm -hmm. Some of my tests are, are too when big. Given when then. It sounds like what was that? What was that style of testing where it's like natural language ger gherkin? Gherkin? Yeah, that sounds very gherkinly to me. Yeah, gherkin has some weird limitations. It's kind of like it's designed for people who don't know how to write code to write it. But like, there, I do so much factory based stuff and like I, I i couldn't imagine trying to support gherkin with how much data i create to test something and then tear down mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah all right joe's, joe's saying he good. had some trouble running running php unit and pest together 
that he had Joe to run doesn't know what he's talking about. He he drinks a lot. <laughs> I mean, he he has a lot of cats too. So. That's okay. Neither of those things means anything. You can have well, lots of cats and like, drink a lot and know what you're talking about. Felt like they were relevant at the time. I don't think so. <laughs> yes, Joe says running PHP unit on my pest tests blew up. I had to run them in pests. But oh, wait, no, that makes sense. What he just said. He said running PHP unit on my pest tests blew up. So I assume he's trying to say he's trying to run his pest test through PHP unit instead of running pests through pests. Am I understanding you correctly, Joe? I mean, that's just like. Yeah, that, well, they don't. It's not. It's not. It's not directly compatible in the same file as a PHP unit thing is. Is what he's saying. It takes two different mm. two different executions. It's not just the the artisan. Well, test. but I think I think if I think if I think if you do artisan test. Oh, I see what you're saying. I don't know if artisan test runs pests. I th- I thought if you ran pests, it ran your unit test as well. But I could be wrong. I haven't looked at it in a while. Eric said, Eric, you said you could run PHP unit and pest test side by side. I'm saying you can't run PHP unit or on pest test. Yeah, so okay. it's its own standalone command. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe I I misspoke. Yeah. I I basically yes, you're right. Okay. Uh we, you know, we talked about uh that PHP in a hundred seconds thing, that the YouTube video, PHP a hundred seconds. Oh, JMac. Uh no, no, no. Was that the, was that the JMac thing? No, it's Fireship. Okay, and and how not a not a great video it was. Somebody mm-hmm. posted a, a blog post on Reddit this week that was was called Modern PHP, and the sub the subtitle is While I wasn't paying attention, PHP got quite good. <laughs> and this person is saying the last time they played with PHP, it was around 2017. And it was just within the context of supporting some WordPress sites. I'm like, okay, so you weren't really developing in PHP. <laughs> like you were <laughs> developing in WordPress. Yep. And then the, the final thing, the final thing, he lists off all these features that he likes and how nice they are. But then the last sentence is the one that really kills me about this kind of article of which, yes, there are a million, but this is, this is the worst. He says, although I'll mostly be working with Laravel and its extensive library, Watching the language grow is lovely. And I'm like, what do you mean, although you'll mostly be working with Laravel? Laravel's not a different language. You're still <laughs> using all of these features and dysfunctionality. Well, I, I, think, I think what he's saying, he, he's saying essentially what you're saying about WordPress development. It's like, you're not, you're not really. That's very, develop- that's a very different. WordPress has its own domain specific language around all of the templates and the plugins and all the functionality. It is its own language. In a very real sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also find it funny WordPress developers who consider themselves developers because they can go into the admin panel and do things. It's like, yeah, you're not writing PHP code. You're not. You're not a developer. That's just me being mean. I don't think it's mean. I think it's just. I mean, I know a lot of people who make you know fifty thousand a year supporting WordPress sites, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's you know. I'll tell you that the WordPress stack overflow is very different than the PHP stack overflow. There's not a whole lot of PHP in the WordPress stack overflow. Well, we were talking about user groups earlier. A WordPress user group, like the couple I've gone to, is very different than a PHP user group or Laravel user group. It's a lot of talking about templates and, and, you know, configurations and not so much coding talk. Right. Like, which is the best store to implement, not how do you create a store? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
don't know. Should I, I don't I don't like I don't like to smash on other PHP communities, but yeah. WordPress I struggle with. Yeah, really do. <laughs> really do. I mean it's a it's a GUI from start to finish. You can you can be a WordPress developer without an IDE. Yeah. Like I mean totally. Matter of fact, yeah, uh, you know, things like Git and IDEs probably only hinder your experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, man. Title suggestion for the show. Up. Fuck WordPress developers. Oh, there we go. We got the F-bomb in there. Now, 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 now uh, YouTube's not going to like us. All right, that's it. Is for, that it? Is that really it? I, I feel like that's it. I feel like we've we, we did a good job. Just the two. I of do. Us. I have a more controversial topic that I will save. Good. It's it's it's. There is some discussion about stripping types out of PHP before executing it. Oh, I. I it was. Is this one of the things on the mailing list? I think I saw this. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a it's a rough thread to read because there are a lot of people who don't understand how types work, like in a in a language in a language, let alone. In PHP, and I have to see. I have to see. I had, I had to do news noteworthy this uh, for for April. I think I actually added that news note. Uh, no arbitrary string. Uh, no, that's not. That's not what you were talking about. Never mind. That's not. That wasn't it. All right. Cool, man. Well, let's save that for next week, and we'll talk about it then. Yes. Yes, we will. All right. That's it for episode two hundred and seventy-nine of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric. I'm Tom. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. ugly. One, two, one, two, uh, coming off the top, y'all know how we do, listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish, I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric, yo, he's never on some average shit, you know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate, I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song, yo, shout the host named Thomas, cause he's never wrong, yo, shout to John, you know that he's smart and quiet, unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot, I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me, shouts out to people. PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional, but I'm about to come through and bless it with style, so let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room, yo, the segment of the show is called doom and gloom, that came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this, I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise, yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish, we talking about the PHP, the programming language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, I I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying it's lovely, let's go, yeah, come on.